0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day, except today we're doing two chapters on day 372 of our three-year journey through God's Word. We're going to be covering 1 Samuel chapters 5 and 6. Uh, It's one of my favorite Old Testament stories. It's got some comedy in it and, uh, It just, I think it's just a great, a great story and uh, a great episode from the history of God's people. So let's pray and seek the Lord's favor and blessing as we look to His Word. Let's look to Him for help. Father, Your Word is wonderful. In all its diversity and in all of its depth and beauty and power, Your Word is life to us by Your Spirit applying it to our hearts and showing us Christ and giving us faith. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So we pray that you would speak your word to our hearts today by your Holy Spirit. Give us life and give us truth and give us more of Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. First Samuel chapters 5 and 6. When the Philistines captured the ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, Dagon had fallen downward on the ground before the Ark of the Lord and the head of Dagon and both of his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. The hand of the Lord was heavy, against the people of Ashdod and he terrified and afflicted them with tumors both Ashdod and its territory and when the men of Ashdod saw how things were they said the ark of the god of Israel may must not remain with us for his hand is hard against us and against Dagon our god so they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said what shall we do with the ark of the god of israel they answered let the ark of the god of israel be brought around to gath so they brought the ark of the lord uh, uh, sorry the ark of the god of israel there but after they had brought it around the hand of the lord was against the city causing a very great panic and he afflicted the men of the city both young and old so that tumors broke out on them So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. But as soon as the ark of God came to Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, They have brought around to us the ark of the God of Israel to kill us and our people. They sent therefore and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away! The Ark of the God of Israel, and let it return to its own place, that it may not kill us and our people. For there was a deathly panic throughout the whole city. The hand of God was very heavy there. The men who did not die were struck with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. The Ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests... And the diviners, and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us, with what shall we send it to its place? They said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. And they said, What is the guilt offering that we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from off you and your gods and your land. Why should you harden your hearts, as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? After he had dealt severely with them, they did not send the people away, and they departed. Did they not send the people away, and they departed? Now then, take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows, on which there has never come a yoke, And yoke the cows to the cart, but take their calves home away from them, and take the ark of the Lord, and place it on the cart, and put in a box at its side the figures of gold, which you are returning to him as a guilt offering. Then send it off, and let it go its way, and watch. If it goes up on the way to its own land, to Beth Shemesh, then it is he who has done us this great harm. But if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by coincidence. The men did so and took two milk cows and yoked them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they put the Ark of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice and the images of their tumors. And the cows went straight in the direction of Beth Shemesh along one highway, lowing as they went. They turned neither to the right nor to the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Bethshemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and when they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark, they rejoiced to see it. The cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stopped there, a great stone was there, and they split up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the Levites took the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it, in which were the golden figures, and set them upon the great stone. And the men, the men of Bethshemesh, offered burnt offerings and sacrificed saf- sacrifices on that day to the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned that day to Ekron." These are the golden tumors that the Philistines returned as a guilt offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, and one for Ekron. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and unwalled cities, The great stone beside which they set down the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. And he struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. He struck 70 men of them. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great blow. Then the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God, And to whom shall he go up away from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to you. Well, that is the story of when the ark of the Lord was captured by the Philistines and then returned. Now, I don't know if you have a similar sense of humor to me, but um, I find the first part of the story in particular to be to be humorous. Uh, you know it was false, it was wrong for the people of Israel to presume upon the Lord and to put their hope and their trust in the mere physical presence of the ark that was presumption because they were in sin, they were in rebellion, and Hophni and Phineas, who came with the ark, were really leading this rebellion <laughs> against the Lord by corrupting his holy worship and his holy people. And so that was wrong for for Israel to put their hope in in the mere physical presence of the ark itself. And yet, the ark was still a powerful manifestation of the presence of God in the midst of his people, a powerful symbol or sign of God with man, the presence of God among his people. In this way the ark is really a an image of christ the meeting place between god and man it's where god meets with man and where man meets with god and the mercy seat is there and the law is contained within it and the manna from heaven and and the rod that budded so the authority so all of this the authority of god the bread of god the law of god the mercy of god the meeting of god and man the ark is really a symbol of the lord jesus christ it is a symbol, but it is a powerful symbol. We should—we live in an age where we say, well, that's merely a symbol. That's only a symbol in which we sort of dismiss it as being sort of unimportant. It doesn't really matter. And yet symbols do matter, right? Americans feel very moved when we have the American flag burned by protesters or rioters in some other country um, or, you know, we as christians get very upset when people take crosses and do terrible things with them because they hate christianity and so uh and in this way really the ark is more than than a symbol because it really is given by god uh to be the manifestation of his presence in this way it's kind of a sacrament it's kind of a visible sign of the invisible grace of god with his people so it's a picture of christ uh, and that way, it's, it's like a sacrament, like baptism or the Lord's Supper. But it's very unique in the history of God's people. Um, and so it was significant that the Philistines captured it. And it was significant that they took it to the temple of Dagon. What they were trying to do was to say, we won our battle against Israel because Dagon is mightier than Yahweh. And so we will take the ark of the God of Israel, the ark of Yahweh, and we will put it in the temple of Dagon. That way, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel, will be worshiping, will be serving Dagon, who is obviously greater than he is because we won the battle. We won the day against the Israelites. Well, the Lord says, "Mm, no, that's not true. That ain't going to happen. That won't fly. So When the Ark is put in there, Dagon, down. To me, the funniest line, the line that strikes me the funniest, is this uh, second half of verse 3. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. You see, an idol is something that we have to serve and we have to provide for it. Whereas the Lord God is the one who saves us and who provides for us and who protects us and who lifts us up. This is their God and their God needs to be picked up by them and put back in place. But even after they pick him up and they put him back in place, they come back the next morning and he's fallen face downward on the ground and the head's broken off and the hands are broken off and they're on the threshold And we're even told this is why the priests of Dagon never step on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod. Because that's where Dagon's head and hands were when they were broken off. So pretty clearly a sign of the superiority of Yahweh over these false gods of the surrounding nations. Well then, plagues come upon the people of the Philistines. Plagues, tumors, sores, mice, sickness. Plagues come on them. And notice that when they look for a solution of what they are to do, they, they remember Pharaoh and the Egyptians. It's been hundreds of years since the incident with the Egyptians and the plagues and Pharaoh and the hardening of the heart and the parting of the Red Sea. But they remember the, the holy men, the wise men, within Philistia, the ones that they call for, the diviners, the priests, they remember. And they say, let's not be as stupid as Pharaoh and the Egyptians and harden our hearts against Israel and against the God of Israel. Let's return the ark to its rightful place and let's include an offering. Now, this offering is, of course, not something that God commanded. It's not something according to his word. But, of course, the Philistines don't have the word of God. And so this is their way of providing homage. So they they get a cart. They get cows that have never been yoked before. They get gold, and they make these gold tumors, which were apparently of some size. There were five gold tumors. And then later we're told... Um, there were as many mice, golden mice, maybe about that big, maybe tumors about this big and mice about that big, as many mice as there were cities of the five Philistine lords. So the tumors big, they represent the five lords of the Philistines. And then the the mice represent all of the cities and they put them on there and they send it off. And there's this test, right? There's this, how do we know? Well, we're going to sort of put the cows in that direction. These cows have never been yoked before. They're not used to walking in a straight line under a yoke and carrying a cart. So it's going to have to take really some sort of assistance beyond us that will get them to walk in a straight line and go to where they're supposed to go. And that's exactly what they do. And they take that as a sign from the Lord that it was wrong for them to take the Ark of the Covenant. It does belong among God's people. And so that's what they do they send the cart and it's very interesting whose field it comes into it comes into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh Joshua that's the name of Jesus it's the name of the man who led the Israelites into the promised land in the previous book the book of Joshua but it's also the same as the name of Jesus and he is a priest or a Levite of some kind Um, Beth Shemesh is a a Levitical city. It's one of the Levitical cities mentioned in Joshua 21, 16. So Joshua of Beth Shemesh is a Levite, perhaps a priest, um, but at least a part of the tribe of Levi. And so the ark comes to them. Now, what's interesting is God sort of cuts the Philistines some slack for their improper forms of worship because they don't have the word of God and they don't know any better. But here, the Ark comes to a Levite city, a Levitical city, and they should have known what to do with the Ark. They should have known to insert poles, you know, to put the proper cover on the Ark so that it's covered, um, to carry it on the shoulders of Levites to the tabernacle in Shiloh, and to put it back where it belongs. They don't do any of that. They set it next to a stone they offer up the cows as a sacrifice and they're looking at the ark they're all like looking at the ark and so god actually strikes 70 men for this because this is this type this Response: we might think, well, they were doing the right thing according to what they thought. Well, no, if you're God's people and you have God's word and you're the Levites and you're charged with teaching the word of God, you don't worship God according to what you think is right. You worship God according to the word of God. And this was completely inappropriate worship. And they don't even know what to do. They're just struck dumb. They just don't know what to do. And so they say to the inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim, just come and take this ark and take it back with you because we don't know what to do. Um, So it's about 10 miles further up the road toward Jerusalem. It's a strategic location. It's it's the boundaries of Judah, Dan, and Benjamin are all there. It's a very important city. And that's where they end up taking it and keeping it. But really, this whole time, we should be thinking, this is not what they're supposed to be doing with the ark. Um, And it's going to be a long time before the ark is being treated properly. Uh, And that's coming down the road. And I won't give away too much of that story that's coming. But what do we learn? How can we apply this to ourselves today? Well, we need to remember there is only one true God. Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one true God. All of the gods of the nations, are idols, all of the things that the world would call us to put our trust in or our hope in are empties, phantasms, idols, nothings. They are as useless as Dagon. They fall before the Lord. We need to guard our hearts against these kinds of idols, trusting in politics, trusting in earthly power, trusting in money, trusting in status, trusting in the pursuit of pleasure, or the American dream. These are all empty idols. We must seek the Lord and be faithful to the Lord. And then further, we need to make sure that when we worship the Lord, it is in spirit and in truth. It needs to be from the heart, sincere, worship to God. And then it needs to be according to his word. And that is always going to be centered on Jesus Christ who is our Redeemer, who is the fulfillment of what the Ark represents. The Ark is a picture of Christ, a sacrament for the Old Testament times, uh, sort of a, a visible sign of an invisible grace. I don't mean it's a sacrament like circumcision or Passover, but it's, it's a manifestation of the presence of God. It's a picture of Christ, which are really what sacraments are, pictures and promises of, of Jesus Christ and the benefits of his redemption. And that's what the Ark was Uh, for, for the people of Israel. And for us, our worship must be from the heart, according to the word of God, and centered on Christ and regarding Christ as holy in our hearts and in our worship. So that's, I think, what we can draw from this passage for today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for giving it to us. Thank you for convicting us of our sin, of our need for Christ, of the way we should live through your word. Uh, Father, lead us in obedience. Lead us in faith. Lead us in faithfulness because of your word and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for a double chapter treat for Samuel 5 and 6. Tomorrow, Mike, We'll be back with Mark chapter 3. Have a blessed day in the Lord.